If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And yes, welcome to it. A brand new year for this podcast and a brand new month, a brand new season. Well, you know, somebody put the other day, which is the first season of the year? Is it summer, winter, spring or fall? And I'm like, actually salt because it's always salt. Anyway, it's going to be summer. <laughs> you think summer. Well, it depends on which, which hemisphere you live in. So yes. going to give us the answers to these and more interesting <laughs> questions, we have Carrie Goodwin from Life is a Garden. Oh, and thank you. I hope you had a fabulous festive and full of the joys of summer. It was wonderful. I think everybody, I want to say most people stayed at home yeah. and went into their gardens. So we were just actually wonderfully busy. We had lots of positive feedback from customers and luckily we had a lot of rain. Mm. So the gardens are looking incredible. I think it's inspiring. You know, somebody said to me the other day, imagine if we had Corona and a drought. And I was like, thank goodness we don't have to think about that because your garden, a lot of our customers are even saying to us, you know, our gardens were our place of solitude where we went to go and find ourselves, where we went to go and just, you know, take that deep breath and say, thank goodness I have this space. Yeah. And actually that gives me goosebumps just listening to the customers say how they really are enjoying their garden and being able to spend time in it. And whether it's even on their little balcony, you know, we had one customer, she, a millennial of sorts, and she'd never before March, I think even had a plant in her house, anything, not even a succulent or a cactus. And then all of a sudden the gardening bug bit and now she has 52 indoor plants. She says, I spend more time trying to water them and <laughs> trying to, you know, than actually my main job. But she says, it's just so wonderful. And she's got a lot of calatheas and how they crackle, you know, when they close at night. And mm-hmm. I think that for me, when people discover the joy of gardening, I mean, that's what I would want everybody to have for a new year. I feel that's what they should, New Year's resolution should be is to find a love of plants or something in the garden that you just love and yeah, whether it be your food. I mean, we have lots of people who are asking us all about, you know, the different tomatoes and not even the traditional ones anymore. Mm. They're looking for the flavor in their food and how do they make their garden represent that flavor? What do they add to their soils to make sure that their tomatoes are tasty and stuff? It has been a thing. So, I mean, even right at the very beginning of lockdown last mm. year, when we were sitting there and thinking, oh, we're not allowed to walk anywhere. We can't go out. What are we going to do? Yeah. And the amount of people who got into gardening, I mean, also on all the WhatsApp groups, you know, does anybody, can people give me some advice on this? I want set up a veggie yeah. garden and the plant parenting which started a couple of years ago with the yeah. millennials mainly i would imagine from looking at uh, pictures on instagram yes that's be- we, we thought okay i wonder millennials how long are they going to keep this going for but i think it's actually growing and yeah. even gen z or igen are pulling into that as well because they see the pictures yes. and they look at it and think yeah i can grow things so my house looks like a, a bit of an indoor <laughs> forest in some yeah. of the parts as well <laughs> And I think it's amazing because people are thinking so much out the box. Mm. You know, so for me, I'm quite a traditional gardener, especially when it comes to indoor plants. I feel they're in a pot on a cabinet or on some way, you know. Whereas we had one lady and she says, I found this fantastic thing that is like a parachute that I pop into my ceiling and I can hang my baskets from it all over my house. You know, so they're going to look for ways that they can put more plants inside Mm. and not on your traditional spaces that maybe you would put them. And I was like, wow. And 
in a vertical garden for me is always a bit of a strange thing, but they're doing it in different ways. And I'm just so impressed at how people are really thinking, how can I better the space that I live in by adding plants? Mm. And wow, that's just glorious. Well, apart from anything else, I mean, bringing green into the space. I mean, it's just such a fantastic color, very calming. Mm. I mean, I just love looking up. The gardens at the moment are once again very green, unless you have your pride of India's. Oh, wow. All the streets. Oh, and they just man. <laughs> we had one customer and she said, you know, I knew I had to come and get a pride in, of India from you because my friend told me and they're everywhere on the streets. And she says, and I came in the nursery and I see you've got the new ones, which is the... Um, They've got black leaves. Yes. And so she says, no, I have to go out with two. I can't just take one. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the way to go. <laughs> that is what gardening is about. Yeah. And it, it, fortunately, one of the things that um, lockdown and COVID hasn't really affected, in fact, it's been a better thing mm. is for, the, well, not right in the beginning because the amount of plants that got lost with the growers and everything. But yeah. since then, I think it's been like a bumper year for growers yeah. and, and retail outlets and nurseries. Yes. No, no, it definitely has. We have been amazingly blessed with the amount of sales that we've had, the plants that we can do. And actually, the new gardeners, to me, that is just one of the best thing is seeing people actually come in and never having been in a garden before, hardly know what a plant is. Mm. And they just need something different and they want to do something different with their time and in their homes or in their garden or on their balcony. And that is really, really exciting. So I think a lot more people, and they've got time. Mm. You know, I think gardening is all about time and patience. I mean, even if we took, for example, like New Year's Day, where normally you celebrate it with a lot of family and friends, or that's what we normally do. And this year, it was me, the cats and the birds in my garden because, <laughs> you know, we were social distancing from everyone. Yes. And at least we had the privilege of going to water the plants in the nursery. So that's always one of my favorite, favorite jobs. And then, um, yeah, coming home and basically just watching the birds, you know, and the bird feeders. And I, I just loved it. And I think that's what gardening is all about is because now I actually have the time. What else am I going to do? Well, but just sit and enjoy it. Binge watching TV comes to mind, especially <laughs> if it's raining, although it's nice to get into the garden after it's rained. <gasps> I was so excited. I put my fertilizer down just before we had the rainstorm the other night. And I was almost thinking I was going to miss it and going to actually have to water my garden once I'd put the fertilizer down. And then thankfully, just poured with rain. I was like, yeah. oh, this is what it is about. <laughs> I really so. enjoy it. I mean, I'm just so glad that I do have a little bit of space, although I'm going to be pulling it all out and up and around and about and rechanging. And uh, But I go out into my garden and, and I was very, very glad. I have a very thoughtful friend. And when yeah. we go on our walks, we have walks all the way around the suburbs and through the parks. Although you're not allowed to walk in parks at the moment, so yeah. don't go and do that. <gasps> yeah. um, and there's a big little horde, I like to say a horde, of yeah. Duftwalker roses. So <gasps> whenever we go past wow. there, I have to stop and smell the roses. Oh, okay? nice. So she knows how much I love it, so she bought me one for Christmas. Oh, brilliant. But I can't yeah. decide where to plant it because I need to have it where I can smell it all the time when I'm walking in and out of the house. <laughs> but it's not actually the best place to plant the rose. So I'm oh, sitting, no. So it's still sitting in its pot being looked after very, very nicely, and yeah. I will work out where to put it. But, I mean, there was nothing more glorious. And it's not even the color of the rose, it's the smell. Oh. Yeah. Because it's in amongst purple and orange at the moment. <gasps> wow. <laughs> with the bright pink. Yeah. But talking about color, I mean, it's always, I, I get quite excited at this time of the year to see what Pantone has come up with when it comes yes. to what colors are in for the year. Now, on our walks through the suburbs, <laughs> yeah. especially in the Hearst and uh, the parks, there seems to have been something which, okay, it started probably about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Where people started using this incredibly dark gray. 
<laughs> and I looked at this and I just thought, it's so somber. Sure, things might look good against it, but my goodness, that it's almost a black, like not even a and, charcoal, though. It's a dark Yeah, and it's gray. very industrial. It's I very find industrial. in a suburb, it seems strange to have this industrial yeah, it makes color. the houses look monolithic or prison-like. Yes, yeah. So I say, there's another one. There's another one. What is going on with these people? Why are they all painting their houses yeah. this dark black gray? And I'm so happy that it's not the Pantone color of the year. Yes. <laughs> so the gray this year is a solid gray, um, which is a Pantone color. And it's a beautiful, almost like a light gray. Almost a dove gray? Yeah, a dove gray is actually a perfect way to describe it. Not battleship. And, no, 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 no. So it's and it's almost got a cool bluish undertone. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, as a wall or as a backdrop to something, it's really just going to show off whatever you put in front of it. So it's a very calming, peaceful color, which is maybe what we need in this tumultuous world that we're living in. Mm. Um, so that for me is really, when I first heard like gray, I also thought, oh yeah. no. Slightly overcast, especially <laughs> yeah. today when we're talking, it's a lovely overcast day, which mm. I'm thinking, well, I'd rather go and float in the pool, quite frankly, <laughs> but I can't do that today. But yes, yeah. there is that lovely color before the cumulonimbus clouds get yes. that dark gray. Yeah. So it is It is a beautiful, soft, gentle color. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the gray one. And then the, I want to say the brighter, more other different color is called Inspiring Yellow. And I just think, <laughs> I love yellow. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like yellow in a garden, I must say. It is great in a garden. Yeah. Um, I had to wear yellow for far too many years, and it really does not suit me. <laughs> it's not a color for me. But I do, I mean, I walk past um, these fields of sunflowers, which are still out and about at the moment. And, yeah. I, and I love it. I love seeing yellow in the garden, especially if you have it up with some blue agapanthus and some yes. orange marigolds at the bottom. It really looks fantastic together. Yeah. But what color is it? More a primrose? Is it a butter? Is it a deep it's yellow? A, no, it's more of a primrose or a light butter color, mm-hmm. not a margarine. So if you go good old-fashioned butter, that sort of a color, yeah. than a, a bright uh, sunflower yellow. So it's also so the it's, softer side of yes, things. Yes, yeah. But it, it's still quite a – it's a warming color. That's what I think they're looking for. So that's why they call it inspiring yellow. So it's just almost like planting a seed that the potential of this color to either become something different or to show something up mm-hmm. or that's what it is. And the complement, the, the two of them together – is pretty incredible because it's just this peaceful gray with this potential of that's what I feel the, the sunshine yellow is coming yes, through the clouds. Yes, that type of thing. You know, when you see the rays of sun, that's that's what it's going to become like in the. And I think what a beautiful way to start the new year with that kind of feeling of, you know, we it seems might be a little bit doom and gloom, but. There's so much potential that might happen. So we just have to see that little bit of yellow Which means and be inspired by it. We're going to have to start planting, what are the grey leaf plants? Helichrysum. Helichrysum, so the <laughs> yes. yellow flowers that come through. Yes. So I was sitting and thinking, sure, we can have yellow flowers against a dove grey wall, but why yeah. not paint your wall that yellow and then have lots of grey foliage, the yes. lamb's ears, so you'll have a bit of purple coming through against yes. the yellow as well. And there's the um, convolvulus cenorum. Yes. It's also got that lovely gray leaf with the white flower though and then there's a new senecio which is coming along and it's a beautiful big leafed almost like a lamb's ear but a slightly bigger leaf Mm -hmm. uh, about the size of the palm of your hand and and that's gorgeous it almost has like a slight gray and then if you look at it in certain lights it would look almost silver so that's coming along too I'm trying to think of the other gray ones that we've had I remember seeing it overseas we use it here as a hedge 
Gray and spiky. Ref, ref, no, um, not uh, raphiolepsis, no. I'm gonna, yeah. It's going to come to me. <laughs> but it's got a little blue flower. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite spiky, mm-hmm. but overseas they prune it into like a sazigium, like a, a topiaries, mm-hmm. and it looks gorgeous. But as I say, we would use it to hide our neighbors, which I think is so sad because we actually still have a lot of people who come and plant stuff to hide neighbors. And I think in this day and age, actually, we want to be able to speak to our neighbors. We want to know who they are, not close social distancing, yeah. but not maybe always only via WhatsApp groups. I feel a little bit... Technology has taken us apart from each other and COVID has taken us even further. Whereas in the past, I mean, the whole village knew what everybody was doing. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you've been watching something like Bridgerton, then everybody knew what everybody was doing. Okay, but in the garden space, I mean, it's wonderful that people are also taking it out onto their verges and making Mm. their verges look really nice for other people. Yes. And one thing, I mean, not only Carrie works for life as a garden (laughs) now, I'm also working for them um, answering people's questions, which is great and it's it's lovely to find people saying okay i'm a newbie i know nothing yeah what do i need to do how do i make my soil and then they say i'm where they're from they're from the western cape and we're like oh dear (laughs) i'm so sorry for you but here's what you can do to make because we know what the soil in the western (gasps) cape is like yes but the thing is is that because we've been in the industry quite a long time we know how to make these things work we know what to tell people yeah so it's also a case of like with life as a garden people can go online there's a great resource okay Mm. to find all of the information that you need you just go and plug in your area it'll come up with um, articles that are related to your area yeah what creepers can i grow in the free state ones that can deal with really <laughs> lots of hot cold. and lots of freezing cold so then you go Start and you look for the very hardiest and water wise plants that you can yeah. find and obviously indigenous plants would work better but a lot of the time it is trial and error yes so we're saying that to people but this is the beginning of the year mm. and it's time for new beginnings and to make sure that your space is fantastic which is what i'm going to be doing yeah so where are we? What is Life as a Garden saying we should be doing now? So our the Life as a Garden is taking it for to help all those beginner newbie gardeners start at the beginning. And the most important thing that you can do for your garden is good preparation for your soil. And I think it's awesome because it's all about what your program is grounded. Yeah, is how do you? You know, I was thinking on the way here. You don't build a house without foundations, and you people will so easily buy a plant and then just put it in the ground and wonder why after three months it looks dreadful. Or it's died. Or it's died. Because you forgot to water it. Did you give it any food? And they're like, no, right, go and stand in the corner over there. You're staying there for the next two months. I'm not giving you anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where any gardener should start. Mm. And, you know, with you changing your space in your garden or even when you're planting a new plant, you're creating a new space for it. You need to add the compost in. Mm. And, you know, compost is completely different to fertilizer. So most people get confused and they think, well, if I'm adding compost, that's going to feed my plant. No, compost is just going to feed your soil. It's going to make your soil a wonderful place for earthworms to live, a nice place for the water to drip through. You know, so compost is just nourishing your soil. It's creating a home for all those microorganisms which are going to help your Mm. your plant in the long run. And then, as you say, food, I mean, okay, I think it's getting better and better. But when we originally used to talk about fertilizer, people were like, why? What is the point? Mm. You know, I've composted or I've done this. And but people used to think the same about compost. Oh, it's yeah. just a marketing ploy to make us spend our money. And yeah. I used to think, I did before I started gardening. I used yeah. to think, oh, this compost thing. They just want us to spend money. Until you realize what compost does. Yes. 
and how it makes such a difference. You know, like for water um, creating the porosity for the water to mm-hmm. sit in the little cavities in your soil. And I mean, now I want to say you go beyond like when I create a new flower bed or I create a hole for my plant. You know, I first put in, I break off my little bit of coir block because I want to make it so that there's water saving coir fibers mm-hmm. in the bottom of the hole. And then I go and get a handful of my bokashi, which has been sitting in my bin for the last three months. And then I put that in because that's going to attract a whole lot of good bacteria mm-hmm. into my soil. Then only do I go and get the compost. And then I add some bone meal or superphosphate, depending. I don't have um, dogs, so I can just use bone meal. If you've got dogs, you tend to use a little bit of superphosphate. And that's going to help your roots grow. And only after you've put all of that in and mix it all together, do you actually start by putting the plant in yeah. and saying, here's your happy home. And then, you know, you have to actually make your hole, which I think a lot of people think plants want to be snug and tight. They do want to be t- snug and tight, but they want to be able to, their roots want to be able to grow. So your hole should always be double the size of the conton- container, both in depth and width yes. of the plant that you're planting. And then, you, and, and it feels, I, I, people like look at me when you explain it, because then they say, but then we just put in everything that we took out to make that hole double. We put in it all back in and the plant is still just going to be in the middle. Mm. And you're like, but you've loosened it all up. You've made it a beautiful home for your plant to sit in and for those roots to want to go and explore that soil. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) And they still look at you like you're crazy and you're like, try it. And you'll see the difference between a plant that whole is well prepared and one that you just went and put in the ground and hope it grew. Well, we've always so. said, you know, rather a $100 hole for a $10 plant than a $10 mm. hole for a $100 plant. Yes, and that is very, very true. So that's where life as a garden is really starting with the basics. Is your foundation, is mm. your hole, is your soil perfect? You know, even did you go and get some earthworms from, and I mean, to me, I But this just, is something people, people keep on saying, how do I bring earthworms into my garden? And I'm like... Well, you can't go and buy the ones in the shop that you'd put into an earthworm bin because they're different. Yes. Those are red reglets, which yeah. you don't find in the soil. Yeah. So how do you bring earthworms into your garden, Carrie Goodwin? You just use compost. It's really good compost or potting soil. I mean, I can't, I'm always surprised when I transplant my plants from my pots to the garden. Then I find even in the smallest pot, it can be a 15 centimeter pot, I will have earthworms mm. and it's because I've used good compost or potting soil. And, you know, compost, whether you buy the one in the shop or you make your own at home, it's going to be attracting those worms. And I mean, I think if you have a look in your garden and you see um, hardy dars. Yes. To me, I've got two in my garden. They're almost pets. They look at me like I, they own the garden yeah, rather I than three. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then you know that you've got good wholesome soil because they find in the worms in amongst it. I mean, with all the rain. I had a whole lot of earthworms that, that got shame flooded onto the patio. And so then you have to go and get a broom and push them back out onto the lawn again because they, um, the soil the water table is quite high mm. with all the rain that we've been having. But it really is, if you start with good soil, your plants will thrive. And mm. your garden will automatically become water-wise. It doesn't matter what you plant. You've got, you, know, you haven't got that sandy soil. You haven't got clay soil. You've got good loamy composted soil. And that's what it is to well, start with. And compost sorts all of that out. And that's mm. another thing that people are always asking about is like, I've got really clay soil. I've got really, as I said, mm. in the Western Cape where their soil is like almost powdery, that yes, gray powdery nothing. stuff. Yeah. You just add compost. That's yeah. basically what you do. And then you plant plants that are good for that area. Yes. That is the name. Endemic thing. plants. Yeah. Or Not things like they've been doing here with um, Fainbos. So they've been breeding them so yeah. that they can handle gauteng weather. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh-huh. Because if you try and if you buy some plants down in the Cape and you bring them back up here, they're not acclimatized. They're not going to acclimatize. Yeah. So I think that the breeders have been very clever in saying, right, we've got such different climates around the country. And we, yeah. we being here in Gauteng, we are blessed. We really do have oh, great <laughs> soil. We have fantastic weather. We have yeah. awesome summers, except when it kind of doesn't rain during um, winter. It's problematic, but we really are blessed. And it is understanding your surroundings, understanding your own little ecosystem that's happening in your own back garden. I mean, I'm always fascinated by the fact you can walk around like Parkview. Then you walk up onto Westcliff and it's a completely different um, weather zone. Yeah. And not weather zone, what do we call it? uh, Habitat. habitat. Uh, It's tropical. It's almost yeah. tropical up there, and you would think it's on top of a mountain. Why? It's <laughs> completely different. It's so weird. So you need to take that into account. You may mm. be living in a, a cold area, but because you've got quite a small garden with yeah. bigger walls, which are like you know facing north, and you get a lot of sun into the garden, it yeah. actually becomes quite a heat trap in winter. Yeah. I think when, and also you're creating those microclimates mm. within your That's garden. That's the word, microclimate. <laughs> That's it. So you're creating that within your garden, within your walls. And a lot of gardening is to do with experimentation. Mm. I, I said to one of the, my colleagues the other day, I said, I'm so glad I work in a garden center because we get to chop and change quite easily. But I think any gardener, you chop and change quite easily because you share your plants with your friends. I mean, you know, we'd love you to come into the garden centers and ask us questions and we try and give advice. And the best thing you can do before going into a garden center, so when we're talking about your preparation, is spend time in your garden first and watch where does the light come, where does it go. Because any garden center, the help that you get, they want you to have success with plants. We don't want you to kill your plants. Mm. I mean, we had customers recently that they came in and the mom's from Durban. And the daughter has no clue about planting or so gardening. So I'm saying he was putting lots yes. of coleus and he was putting <laughs> protons and yeah, all these things. And and I'm saying to the mum, you know, what can we put this here? How is the light? And she's like, I don't know. And then we look at the daughter, and the daughter's like, Well, I put my wash in there and it dries, so it must be very <laughs> sunny. And so, you know, I think that's also part of your preparation, apart from the soil is just go and sit in your garden for a few hours in the morning and see where the sun is, where, because then the garden center, the people who help you in the garden center can advise you better. Yeah, can say to you, this is a full sun plant and it can cope with that. Mm. Or this is a semi-shade and you need to put it this space. Because otherwise, you know, your plants are going to, you're going to take them home, you're going to plant them and then they're going to just not perform like you want them to perform. And you're going to think, oh, this is a waste of time. Mm. I just, you know, it makes, breaks my heart when people come in and say, oh, I have black fingers. They just don't want to, nothing wants to grow for me. Mm. And I want to like jump in my car and say, let's go and look at your garden and see how we can get something to grow. But if you just start with the basics, and that's why if you follow in life as a garden, like you say, on all those social platforms, if you ask questions, people who are known and experienced will be able to give you really valuable advice. And it's a half the time it's also from the customers and other mm. people on the group. You know, I think you always learn gardeners are very open to sharing. I mean, they share their plants, they share their advice, they share everything. And they also just want to tell you their experience and how to get the best out of each plant. Mm. And so I think Life as a Gardener is creating that platform for people to talk about it, which and is quite exciting. They're also specialized platforms. I mean, I love yeah. Ludwig's on mm. Facebook. Because it's so such funny. a, <laughs> and I sit there and, you know, people put up a question and yeah. then lots of people come and answer. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And then Ludwig just says, no, it's this. 
Yeah. And then the people are saying, no, it's not. And we're like, we're talking. Yeah, don't tell Ludwig he's got it wrong. Okay? Expect, ex- he expect. knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like for me, I have taken actually some of the roses out of my garden. But roses are just an expression. I mean, I think if you have those now, I know all the festive seasons are over and stuff like that. But if you just want to cheer a person up, you want to, like you, for the, you got your Defulco rose. I feel roses talk to you. Mm. I mean, I looked at our peace one that started as a blossom and oh, now it's blooming, bud and now it's blooming. And I just thought, no wonder they called this rose peace. I just look at it and mm. it's it's got the color of the year in it, that inspiring yellow is part of it. And I just thought, oh, how amazing. You know, and then you look at the South Africa rose and it's a bold, bold bright yellow. yellow. And I'm thinking, this is what South Africans are all about. So I feel, you know, if you at any stage at loss for what to give to somebody who might be feeling sad or lonely or depressed at this time, and I know it is January, but plants and particularly roses mm. really, really speak to people. I've just had a thought. South Africa rose, underplanted with lamb's ear. Then we got all the oh, colors for Pantone for the year. Exactly. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. I'm so excited so, about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so what else? What else? Oh, for, for the in- other thing that, sorry, now <laughs> when you talk about excited is the um, kids' activity, Life as a Garden is talking yeah. about for January, is carnivorous plants. Okay. So, I've had no luck with those. <laughs> I really do manage to actually just kill them off. And I try so hard to feed them as well. To actually catch the flies. So we have a lot of customers who are coming in and saying, you know, can they get basil or rosemary because they want to get rid of flies in their homes. And then we do have the carnivorous, the Venus fly traps. And the kids are like, oh, this will get rid of our flies. Don't worry. And when I tell them that it only needs one fly every two weeks, their parents are like, oh, no, that is not going to get rid of the flies in our home. But then that's where Life as a Garden has said, you know what, why don't you take the plant and use it as a teaching tool mm-hmm. to show your kids how carnivorous plants work. Mm-hmm. So they don't actually, when they, they, I think we t- often, like most indoor plants, we kill them with too much tender, loving care. They don't need a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And they do only need a fly once every two weeks. So basically you're going to either wait until you see that your Venus flytrap has caught a fly or you go and catch it for it and you put it inside and then it closes. And then you leave it for an hour for the plant to actually digest the fly. But I put things in there and nothing happened for like two days and the thing would just what? be sitting there. Maybe it wasn't very hungry. <laughs> so you obviously were overfeeding it. You see, overfeeding and overwatering. Plants actually are quite because resilient. It is a plant, not an animal. I know, but it, you could, when you start talking about carnivorous plants, life as a garden is saying they're actually almost becoming like your pets. And I can see people who have great success with them. Audrey is back in the house. (laughs) Is that from the Rocky? (laughs) That's from Little Shop of Horrors. That's what I was thinking on the way here. Yeah. But so they are almost, you should be more treating them as a pet than a plant (laughs) and not maybe overfeeding it or giving it too much water. Three children, four cats, a depressed gardener, 15 (laughs) Venus flytraps and me. That would be a lot of fun. (laughs) But anyway, so once it's, you've given it a chance and you can see that it's digested the food, so it's been closed for a while, mm. you know, the, in the notes then they said maybe one to two hours. Then they say you go and chop off the head of the Venus flytrap. So you're just chopping off one. You, they're saying you must kill your pet. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> I feel my words are being twisted and they're not. <laughs> but anyway, th- there's still lots of other heads on the Venus flytrap. Okay. So you don't only have one. You probably have four or five. And what's amazing with plants is that they regrow. So you're going to get a new one. If you chop that one off, like pruning, 
you know, you're going to get new leaves and new stems. Okay, so it's a better pet because if you chop off the head of... No, okay, let's not go there. <laughs> okay, yeah. So once you've chopped off the head, mm. so you've cut that at the bottom of the the head or whatever you want. Yeah, there's no other word, the head of it. Then you go and take a knife and you slightly dissect along the midrib of the head. Mm. And then when you look inside, you would be able to see the exoskeleton of the insect that might have been fed to your Venus flytrap. So it might be the exoskeleton of the fly. Okay. Or whatever you might have given them, a spider or something like that. And I think it just gives kids this idea that gardening is a whole new world. So we, at the moment, of we've been talking about how adults have found refuge. Well, maybe everyone, but I was thinking more along adults or millennials have found refuge in their garden. But actually, when you go and look in your garden for the kids, it's like a whole new world for them. And I mean, maybe they're not having the opportunity to go to schools and they spend a lot more time at home and they tend to be driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, give them the opportunity to go outside and explore because, I mean, apart from the Venus flytrap, which is more of your indoor plant, there's lots of little insects and bugs and all sorts of things that are having a great time in the garden. Why not let your kids go and explore and see what they can find? And, you know, if they find something and you're a bit worried that maybe it's a caterpillar, you want to know if it's poisonous or not, ask them to put their phones or something to good use and take a photo and send it to Life as a Garden and say, please help me, what caterpillar what is, is this? this? Is it going to turn into a butterfly, form a cocoon? <laughs> that I, type I of thing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it just reminds me of somebody I know on Facebook who put a thing up going, right, um, my daughter, my little daughter has got two of these these caterpillars yeah. and we want to know what should we feed them? And I looked at them and there were a couple of lily borers and I'm like, no, no, no. No, but we want them to go through the life cycle. I'm like, no, you don't because your neighbors will not thank you for that. Okay. And the lily borers have been so bad. This I haven't year. seen any this year, what? to be honest with you. I've got, I, I've got amaryllis all over my garden. I don't know if they're actually going so much for the amaryllis. They are devouring clivia. Clivia and a lot of agapanthus, but Clivia particularly, we've just had customers left, right and center between the lily borers and the snails. But the lily borers are… Snails are hectic at the moment. You know, they're not even sitting in the leaf anymore because normally you can see the lily borer in Mm -hmm. the leaf and you see that lovely pattern that they leave. Mm -hmm. But now they're almost sitting in the heart of the plant. And they're going down into the bulb or the corm. Yes. And then you open it up and then there's just all these like little sugar granules. And then you see that little head popping through and your your heart just sinks. That's interesting. I was actually get out into the garden and go and check on my clivias then. Yeah. um, I haven't had many customers saying it's been on the amaryllis. But for some reason maybe i don't know because clivia has got a bit of more of a drier leaf yeah. than your amaryllis so maybe because there's so much moisture around they're going for something a little bit harder more crunchy i suppose your amaryllis and, have also finished yeah. flowering now and they, their leaves are starting to go down, down. So not that. yeah but, but there's also wow. um like a, a weevil a big weevil a beaded weevil which is going yeah. after agapanthus as well at the moment Oh, I haven't seen that. But the Aggies yet. are looking so fantastic. I mean, they are just they the best just keep plants on going. in the world. Yeah. And I know that um, Andy DeVette um, yes. from the Aloe Farm, he's actually been breeding some agapanthus, which will flower so for at least 10 to 11 months of the year. Wow. He's been working on that and some new varieties of plectranthus. Oh, well, I mean, the plectranthus, if you've got a shady garden, 
They're also starting to come into their own and they're starting to flower now beautifully. So, I mean, go and look in your garden centers and see if you can find some of these beautiful plants, because especially in the northern suburbs here in Gauteng, you know, we have the urban forest. Mm. And so you're trying to look for shady plants and plectranthus are the best plants. Yes, they just tick, 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 like the agapanthus are for the sun. Yes. So, you know, you have to have these universal plants that I want to say they're dummy proof. You put it in. And it performs. It looks and it comes good. back and it goes away. And, and it they don't back. get lots of pests normally. Yeah. And yeah. Except so, for, <laughs> well, except for the agapanthus, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they are. And it's, it's all those wonderful soft shades of purples and mm. pinks when it comes to the plectranthus. Yeah. And then, of course, your aggies in the lavenders and blues and whites, which just… Yeah. <sighs> and I was going to say, I love all the variegations. So, for both mm. of them, the plectranthus, they have a lot of variegated foliage. And then the agapanthus as well. There's quite a few of them. Some are gold and those type of things. The Zambezi that have got the variegated foliage as well. So, you know, just keep your eye open because your garden is a true wonder. Mm. And oh, just to spend time in it is wonderful. And, you know, if you don't have a garden, go into your local garden center. I do see that now with the restrictions on all sorts of meeting and that type of thing, people are actually slowly looking for outdoor spaces that are safe to meet each mm. other. And so people are going into their garden centers, maybe not to go and buy something, but just to go and be in a beautiful space, chat to their friend, socially distanced, mm. that type of thing, because the garden centers provide that opportunity for you. Yeah. So, and talking about going into garden centers, I think one of the things you should really think about doing if you've got a space, mm. um, a lot of the time we get sent questions saying, what can I put in the space? I'm like, well, would you send me a photo? Because it actually mm. makes it easier for us to be able to advise you know what is the best small tree i'm like well how much space do you actually have because there's no such thing as actually a small tree because (laughs) even a small tree is going to get to three to four meters tall yeah so you might be wanting to look at a larger shrub than a small tree Mm. so it it does help if you're going into a garden center and i will always say before you just like send messages to people online Go to your nearest garden center. The people yeah. there do know what they're talking about. But yeah. take photos of the space and say, this yeah. is the space I have. Yeah. What should I do with it? I find that so much easier because the people say, oh, I've got this verge. What can I do? I'm like, well, what is the <laughs> exactly. soil like? How big is it? Yeah. How much water does it get? Do you have irrigation? Yeah. Um, is it on a slope? I mean, all of those things have to be taken into account. Is yeah. it full sun all day? So you need to all of those questions. So always send a picture or take one with you. Yes. It, it just makes it so much easier because then you will have gardening with success. Mm. And I also think, you know, when you talk about trees and how they could grow big. So it also depends so much on your soil type. So like I think of the trees at the farm where my folks live, they are all tiny because there's probably only 50 centimeters of soil and then it hits bedrock. Yeah. So all their trees are dwarf and we keep thinking eventually they're going to grow bigger, but they're never going to grow any bigger. And they're just happy. They've become bonsai trees type of thing. <laughs> Large And bonsai, it's never going yeah. to be a forest in their beautiful grassland, yeah. but that's the way it is. And so your trees also depending on yeah, your soil type yeah. and what's underneath. We just have to be careful when you plant big trees and you want the shady garden, but actually you have a wall and a neighbor and another wall right next well, door. I've got, <laughs> I've got like minimal amount of space and I've created a mini forest in the back and I've got like eight, Yay. nine, ten trees in a space, which is probably about oh, four meters by three meters. Oh, wow. So well, that is so exciting. Five meters <laughs> by four meters, somewhere on there. Yeah. And there are trees that are supposed to be good for small. So mm. your silver birches, which I know they say, oh, why are you using a silver birch? Well, yes, I've also it. put in the Natal lavender, but the Natal lavender gets pretty big. And it it's can quite get a really straggly, big. Um, you know, with the beautiful flowers, but it's quite a straggly plant. So it's quite wide, I find. 
Mm. And the places that I've seen it. Yeah, mine's gone up because it doesn't have a choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then there's a leopard tree in there and I've yeah. got a bay tree, which is I keep pruned nicely. Oh, nice. Lemon tree next to it, then a Rus pendulina, sorry, Cesia yes. pendulina, the yeah. white curry, which is the background to the entire oh, thing coming beautiful. across the garden. So you can actually yeah. put quite a lot of trees in a small space. Yeah. And they will not grow too big then. Yeah. But it depends on what you're looking for. If it's a very shady area, you have to think about what you're going to put in there and what yes. you're going to put underneath the trees as well Mm. so there's a whole bunch of of things that need to be taken into account but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't ask questions there's no no such thing as a stupid question especially not when it comes to gardening absolutely because there's no wrong answers it's all about experimentation yeah the amount of people (laughs) that come and say i'm going to ask you a question you're probably going to think it's a stupid question i'm like no (laughs) no such thing if you don't know what the answer is it's not a stupid question i was gonna say i feel like when i do ask tech questions (laughs) (laughs) i automatically say i'm a gardener (laughs) i don't know how my phone works i just go i'm a blonde <laughs> it's so much easier <laughs> and you can get away with that and i think that's why everybody can be a gardener because actually there are no stupid questions exactly and your garden is actually going to teach you so much yourself you know so it's what you learn from your garden and the friends that you make when you're busy gardening okay so, so to wrap this up yeah get plants inside <laughs> don't feed your carnivorous ones take your child cut them up no, i mean not the child the plant <laughs> uh yellow and gray and get your soil sorted so that's yes. our those are our tips for the beginning of the year yeah and we just really want you to get as much success out of your gardening we don't know how long we're going to still be in this situation so Stay away from people. Stay close to your plants. Yes, and, and that's I will a lovely stay, one. <laughs> I will stay close to Carrie so I can get all the information I need. And it's oh, always cool. wonderful to see you. You are Love a ray of sunshine on a very grey day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Love what I do. So, <laughs> I, I think it comes across. And yeah. that's one thing that you, if you aren't a gardener, when you get into it, you will start loving it. Yes. Especially as you get success. Yeah. Okay, true. thank you so much. Thank and you so much for we'll having us. We'll catch up again in about a month or so. Yeah. And uh, everybody else, get out there, get into a garden, go get your fingers dirty, go play in the soil, check out your earthworms, and above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook. Facebook.